Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Today, I'm here with Garrett Schatzer, Senior Consultant from GFK Consumer Life. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's uh, good to be here. I'm excited because it's your first time on the podcast and we're talking about something that's really topical. It's been something that's been prevalent year over year here at GFK, especially. We're talking about generations. And this episode specifically is talking about how our generations or how our consumers from different generations define expectations. So let's just dive right in. Where are the generations today? And maybe what are some of the key traits or, you know, dominant characteristics that, you know, we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Sounds good. So, I mean, the big four, you know, that we're concerned with as, you know, GFK, consumer life, and pretty much all of our clients and brands are Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, and boomers, right? We're all pretty familiar with that. But where they are, you know, it's always shifting, it's always changing. But for now, Gen Z, you know, there's the people that age from 25 and younger down to around the age of 10. They haven't really cut off yet you know we'll see what the defining characteristic will be that you know kind of presents that line in the sand but they are you know under 25 they are the first global generation that's what you know one of the really defining characteristics of them it's mostly because of social media and the internet they are just simply more connected than other generations have been because of tech. They are somehow because of that more mature. They are young, yes. But when we think about where millennials were at the same age as Gen Z, uh, millennials were all about fun, getting out there, um, just kind of living that young and youthful life, um, you know, taking more risks, etc. But Gen Z, we've explained that they are a bit more serious, perhaps. And this is because, at least, you know, our working hypothesis is that because of social media, they were able to see all the pitfalls of millennials, you know, and, you know, millennials were on there. I am the eldest millennial born in 1980. So it's, uh, (laughs) you know, one of those things where we were on Facebook early, Twitter, all the social media apps, Friendster before that. And, you know, something happened to us, we'd share it with the world. So let's say I got uh, denied from college, I'd share it. Or let's say I struggled finding my new job, I'd share it. So Gen Z was able to see all that. So they were able to realize like, hey, you know, even though we're young and this should be a time to simply enjoy ourselves, we really have to set ourselves up for success. I mean, millennials, uh, which you know, I'll talk about in a second when I talk about millennials, we were, you know, told, hey, we're the generation, we'll be the first ones that don't do as well as our parents did. And that that's a problem, right? You, you right. want to be more optimistic. You want to have some hope. And millennials didn't really have that. So Gen Z saw that. And then, of course, Gen Z with the pandemic hitting and the lockdowns, and that was what they were, a lot of them were graduating into. They saw, okay, we need to be a bit more serious. Moving on to millennials, as I said, I'm the eldest, so this is about age 43 to 26. We are in the middle of our careers. We're in the middle of family lives, right? So most of us who have families have already started them by now. Not many of us in school anymore. So that's really like how you think about millennials is that entering the prime years of family and career. Just past the prime is Gen X. So these are ages, I think it's 44 to 59, 58, something like that. And they are often referred to as the sandwich generation. They have been for a long time. Yeah. Um, And that I think it originally came from that boomers are a bigger generation than they had the smaller Gen X because of what happened in American history, well, global history. 
And then, um, you know, millennials came afterwards, the boomers, the baby boomers, that's where the term comes from. So there are a whole bunch of millennials too. So Gen X is right dab in the middle, kind of small. But now they are leading in income, they're leading in spending, and that's because they are in their 50s, most of them, early 60s. More established. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, they are very much into the careers. Some of them are now <laughs> empty nesters, so they no longer have to support their Gen Z children. But along those lines, that's not all of them. Another important part of the Gen X uh, generation is that they are in the middle, again, in sandwich between some are care- caring for their uh, dependents while also caring for elderly parents. And this is, it causes a lot of stress for many uh, in the generation. And it just, you know, it could be social commitments, it could be financial commitments, it could simply be emotional commitments that are really um, can take an impact on them. And then finally, boomers, the oldest, um, at least in the four generations, and they are kind of defined now about near retirement, early retirement, and actually being retired. And why that matters to us as marketers and uh, people who work with brands is that their spending habits are changing. They have accumulated most of their wealth uh, outside of investments. You know, they're past their prime earning years. Most of them do not have dependents that they're caring for anymore. Many of their parents have now gone on. So, you know, they are a bit more free. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's kind of gets to what I'm uh, They're free of their commitments. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they have more money to spend. They have more time and they are more about experiences than possessions. So I think you did a really good job of setting the stage of exactly how these different buckets of generations, like what we do expect of them. But recently, Consumer Life has been saying that these generations are defying those expectations. So what do you what do you mean that they're breaking out of this generational box, so to speak? So what happens with the generations is that how I've defined them already, we tend to think of them as this one large mass, right? Just moving forward and they have their own unique personality and we can target them in X, Y, and Z ways. However, uh, what generations are starting to do is to evolve out of these pigeonholes that we peg them for. So one example, would be, let's say, baby boomers, who um, for all of this time have been, well, they're, they're simply older. So what does that mean in terms of tech, right? When most people think of their grandparents or even their parents, you know, and the, the meme would be in like today's parlance. Helping that, them fix oh, the remote and things ex- like that. Exactly right. Exactly right. So as marketers and as, again, people that, you know, communicate to consumers in this uh, age group, you might think, oh, they are tech adverse. You know, we can't uh, reach them on those channels. And that is simply not true. Boomers are pretty tech savvy. Now, are they as tech savvy as, say, millennials or Gen Z? Of course not. No, but that does not mean that they are not tech savvy. Both can be true. So with uh, the boomers, one example, I was working on a a different project earlier this week, and I saw that um, Americans age 70 and above, so not just, you know, boomers, but the elder boomers and above the previous generation, nearly two thirds do their banking online. They're banking. So when we're thinking about boomers, how brands may want to reach them. You should remember that boomers are more engaged than, say, Gen Z, because Gen Z, they have been brought up in a time where tech, yes, it's ever present. They, you can't escape tech as a Gen Zer, but that goes both ways. So they know all the benefits of tech, but they also know all the downsides of tech, right? So they are a bit more hesitant to dive into technology than others. Going back to the banking example, this enables them to trust themselves with using the banking and not, you know, 
I don't know, uh, transferring the money to somewhere where it shouldn't go. They, exactly. they are comfortable with their skills. Yeah. And then finally, it's thinking about how you might want to reach them. Going back to this tech averse uh, idea. Once again, they are not. And we can go back to social media as an example. So um, if you followed anything about social media trends in the past few years, you'll know that Facebook is losing younger customers, but mm-hmm. they are gaining older customers, right? So I forget what the joke was, but it was something along the lines of, if you want to get your grandchildren off of Facebook, sign on to Facebook. <laughs> you know? and that, yeah. But boomers are there. It's, their, it's the most right. used social media service. So when you're talking about that platform, boomers are there so you can reach them there, right? Exactly. It might not be the best idea to, say, put marketing dollars towards Instagram to reach baby boomers, but there are other digital lines open. A lot, Most of them use email, for instance. And then some of these social media apps, they are streaming more. I saw a, um, an article recently, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, about one of streaming TVs and then even broadcast TV. One of their largest segments right now are the boomers because they are the ones that are used to sitting down and watching a show straight through for 45 minutes or an hour. Whereas <laughs> someone younger will just see it in bite-sized chunks, you know, as they go about their day. So right. just kind of like to summarize, boomers are using tech. They do have some digital savviness. So, you know, don't forget to reach them there. So I think you brought up a great point. Not only are you talking about how are boomers defying expectations, but what opportunities it presents for brands and how they could reach them and maybe how they should be talking to them. On the flip side, Gen Z, for example, has been shopping in stores. First of all, speak on that a little bit. And also, what opportunity does that present for retailers? So it's easy to pinpoint this to the pandemic, where Gen Z, you know, High schoolers, middle schoolers, um, you know, early college. This is their age where all of a sudden they were locked down. They couldn't go outside. They couldn't see their friends and they couldn't shop. So when everything all of a sudden was focused on your tablet or your laptop, you start to miss things about your life. So what happened with Gen Z in particular is that once the lockdowns were lifted and people were less concerned about COVID, they started really missing the tangible sides of shopping, right? So being able to feel clothing, being able to try it on, being able to, you know, actually take an eyeliner and put a sample on your face to see if it makes you, uh, you know, feel better about what you're trying to present. Or um, with tech, right? Oh, is this phone actually smaller than the one I have right now? Yes, you can look up the dimensions online, but nothing really replaces the feeling of getting your hands on the phone. There are still benefits to in-store shopping because many people wrongly assume that Gen Z is all online, right? That they are just nonstop shopping online. They do shop a lot online, but for these reasons I just outlined, they miss the stores. The other big piece of this puzzle is the social aspect of shopping. So when you are stuck inside, when you're missing any kind of social action, uh, social interaction, you want to get out and you want to be around people. This is the social time for Gen Zers, right? Being young, discovering who you are, making your lifelong friends. You want to be out meeting people for the most part. So in terms of shopping, they would say, hey, let's go to the mall and hang out and let's just walk around. This is something I used to do in high school, right? But then I did too. <laughs> oh, yeah, very good. Um, but then there was a time when malls were emptying, you know, and pre-COVID. But now it's this experiential idea of shopping. 
So in Japan, for instance, um, it's not just in America, where it's very popular for younger people to take a day off together and go shopping because it's a social experience. They like, you know, pointing out things to their friends. Um, they like being able to, I don't know, grab lunch in the middle and just spend time in each other's presence, which isn't just, you know, on the couch at home or, you know, taking a drive. So one thing that I saw recently that I was, you know, I thought that was interesting and what we're talking about here is, you know, Gen Zers mostly shop online, but now they miss this humor interaction. But in a recent um, store that I was in, I think it was like maybe a Walgreens or something like that. Right when you entered the store, there was this shelf and it was found on TikTok or trending on TikTok. And so they leveraged this idea of like, you know, Gen Zers are finding the products that they want to, you know, purchase on a very popular platform, a digital platform, and bringing that into the store experience. And they're not sold out, for example, some of those products, and it's in front of you and you get to touch it. So I thought that was really interesting in a cool way that a retailer was capitalizing on the fact that this is where Gen Zers shop. They're going to be in the store. How can we keep them there. No, that's that's really interesting. I'd heard that example. Uh, maybe you've heard that Netflix is creating, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, that you can watch with brick and others, mortar right? Stores. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so I didn't hear that. But it... Yeah. But now they're also in the they're in talks to create brick and mortar stores where oh, they will where sell branded merchants. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this what you say actually leads to something else, which is this merging of the digital and physical spaces. Right. So yours is an interesting example because it's taking the physical products and just, you know, from TikTok and putting them in physical stores. Exactly. But where my mind went was this, uh, the term is fidgetal, right? The, <laughs> it's a portmanteau. That's going to be trending you know. soon, fidgetal. Yeah, I'm sure it is, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's something that brands can do to, you know, to help reach Gen Z in these physical spaces. It's this augmented reality. You know, it still sounds futuristic, but it is absolutely here. But most recently, we've seen companies like Best Buy who are taking what used to be done online. So many people know the example. Let's say you're shopping for a, for a desk. You can right. just, you know, you're sitting on your couch at home. You open up an app. You find a picture of a desk. You, you know, point it towards your room and it, ta-da, you can see how it the desk looks. What it would look like. But it's taking the opposite of that. So what Best Buy is doing is that they are taking the in-store experience and making that more digital. Rather than taking the online and making it more real world, they're doing the opposite. So something like uh, you go into a Best Buy in certain locations and it looks more like an Apple store than anything else because it's all you just go up and there's tablets and you search and you know mm -hmm. it's just kind of bringing something that perhaps is more comfortable to Gen Z because of their you know tech savviness into the in-store space. Um, so I think other brands, you know, if it's appropriate for them, they can absolutely capitalize on that. I think they're seeing huge opportunities with the, you know, after post-pandemic and how generations are evolving. And speaking of, like, you know, I think maybe you can correct me on this, but I think we'll continue to see generations evolving. So how can brands, you know, proactively prepare for these changes and make sure that they're capitalizing on them and recognizing the opportunity versus, you know, shying away from it? Right, right. I mean, this is something that brands are always thinking about and need to, of course, continue to think about. So first, I would say simply acknowledge and accept that change is happening. You just have to accept that things will change and that perhaps your uh, marketing plan from two years ago needs to be adjusted. 
maybe it needs to be scrapped altogether to, you know, adopt to what's happening in the world or adapt to what's happening in the world. Uh, second is simply staying educated and informed. I mean, this sounds a bit trite, but it's true. Nevertheless, I mean, if you don't know what uh, Gen Z is doing now, how are you going to be able to predict what they want in the future? Right. Or something like Gen Alpha, which I believe we'll speak about later. You know, they uh, if you are not tracking how they're being raised now, how will you anticipate what they'll want in their products later? Since change is always happening, another thing that brands can think about is how you've adjusted in the past. Right. Learn from your own successes and failures. It's not like millennials today are the same that we were when we were 15 years old. Right. And I'm sure many brands are successfully reaching millennials now. So just think about how you've adopted and try and learn uh, what you've done. Another example, I mean, not to put too much of a sales spin on it, but reach out to us at GFK. I was just going to say, how can brands think about consumer life as part of their, you know, toolkit or their playbook to be in touch with the trends that are coming up and adjust accordingly? Right. I mean, this is our job, you know, where uh, brands may be experts in their uh, particular field, in their particular vertical. The category, we have a much larger view and oftentimes a deeper view. I mean, some of our data goes back 50 years, you know, so we can really learn about, let's say, if we're trying to predict what Gen Z is going to be doing in the next decade, right? Because Gen Z, they're still young. What about when Gen Z has families? What about when Gen Z are further along in the careers, when they have that purchase power to go out and buy their cars? How are they going to behave? What we can do is we can look at the trends of, let's say, use the example again how millennials were at Gen Z's age and now how millennials are now. And we can compare where they were at the same life stage, how millennials evolved, and use that to help predict how Gen Z's evolved. That's something that we do for clients all the time. And I mean, really, any information, any leg up you can have on the competition should be really welcome. Definitely. Well, I want to take a little bit of a you know, different approach now. We've talked about these four key generations that are very prevalent in today's, you know, how we look at consumers, but there's another consumer set that's coming up and that's Gen Alpha. And it's very interesting because it's very new. Not a lot of people have talked about it yet. And I think it's really cool that you guys are already diving into this generation and, you know, starting to put some information around this. So who exactly makes up Gen Alpha? And, you know, how do we approach this generation or how do we look at them compared to these other four that you mentioned earlier? Right. So let's just start with who they are. So Gen Alpha is simply the term for the uh, generation coming after Gen Z. Now, at the top of this talk, I said that Gen Z hasn't really been defined yet at the bottom for the youngest age. But with Gen Alpha, most institutions or experts say that Gen Gen Alpha, the oldest of them are perhaps age 12 or 13. And then that will uh, go down to people who aren't even born yet. Um, Of course, we don't know what that cap will be as of yet, but most generations are usually around 15 years or so. So that would put us uh, roughly around the year 2025. So it's the segment from not born to about, you know, preteens. Importantly, uh, these are the children of millennials, right? That's how we're thinking about them. We actually just released uh, our first report on Gen Alpha. So to think about how Gen Z is being shaped, um, you have to really look at millennials. The other big aspect of Gen Alpha, I'll just say at the out, is that Gen Z is currently the most diverse generation. Gen Alpha is going to really put diversity on the spectrum. I think I saw by the year 20, 
50. So when, you know, Gen Alpha is, you know, now into their like early adult years, more than 50% will be non-white. Like, uh, like, wow. yeah. So, you know, we already know that's happening. Like uh, the Hispanic influx. That's powerful. Asian, yeah. yeah. Asian American influx. Yeah. You know, we've seen this happening for decades and it's just continuing. We have not plateaued at all. Right. So for brands, you know, when you're starting to just think about Gen Alpha, I mean, let's say you're an automotive brand. Gen Alpha is not driving yet. You're not really thinking about that. But you can already learn from how you're approaching younger millennials and then Gen Z as Gen Z gets into that automotive power, right? So Gen Z currently that I'm the most diverse. How are you changing your messaging? How are you doing two things? One, how are you diversifying your messaging to reach separate groups? And also, what is the common messaging that you're using to you know, reach everybody? Because yeah. you need common messaging, right? Or else Something you're just going to sound like you're pandering to everybody. Exactly. So the learnings, again, your successes and failures in reaching young millennials and Gen Z, start thinking about and taking notes, throw it in the bank for how you may adapt uh, when Gen Alpha comes of age. So, you know, I think you already kind of started touching on this, but you mentioned a key attribute right there of Gen Alpha. But what are some other key attributes that we need to look at for Gen Alpha, and that could include, you know, home life. What are you mentioned? Millennials are their parents. Yeah, what are they yeah. thinking about in relation to Gen Alpha? And then well-being. And then also, I think tech is really important to talk about yeah. here because we see that it's influencing each generation very differently. Right. So actually, we'll start with what you mentioned about millennials and their parents. The first thing that comes to mind and something that we track in our data is approach to parent. So, you know, Gen Z gets a lot of flack for being too coddled and, you know, regardless of where you uh, stand on the political spectrum, woke means something to you, right? And that is right. largely because of uh, Gen Z. Some experts believe that is largely because of how Gen Z was raised. Raised, So we can go to millennials who were raised by boomers and kind of see that effect, you know, how boomers right. were uh, raising millennials and now how millennials are raising Gen Alpha. There have been some terms used over the years for uh, parenting styles. Um, you may have heard of helicopter parents a few decades ago, right? That. Which is just <laughs> where, you know, the parent is kind of hovering and just watching over things. From there, uh, I think the next term was lawnmower parents, which they just wanted to clear a path, make it a bit easier for their children to progress in life. And then you have bulldozer parents which the term is used that they're clearing any and all obstacles out for their children's, uh, you know, growth in personal, social, career-wise, whatever, uh, what, what you have you. So with millennials, it's going to be very interesting to see how they are raising Gen Alpha and seeing, because now millennials are old enough that they can reflect on how they were raised. They can see how Gen Z has uh, been turning out. And right. they can adjust to that because, as we know, uh, each generation kind of bolts against the previous generation. There's always going to be some kind of difference. So mm -hmm. how is uh, millennials revolt against uh, perhaps how they're seeing Gen Z going to affect how Gen Alpha is being raised? And we already have data on this, actually. So one of the things we track in our data, which I mentioned, was that we ask, do you believe more in a traditional style of parenting or a what we call democratic? style of parenting. So traditional is parents say so, children do. <laughs> the democratic one, as you might uh, surmise, is that, hey, it's more of a conversation. It's a yeah. discussion with your child about 
What do they want? You know, what is their input? And millennials are leaning more towards the Democratic side. What's fascinating about that is that we are already seeing how that affects uh, consumption for millennials and their Gen Alpha children. Gen Alpha are in ways influencing what their parents want more than other generations previously. So, of course, if you have kids. It's almost a blip. Yes. So uh, if you have kids and, you know, you're thinking about what kind of food to buy, of course, what your children will eat (laughs) will affect, you know, what you buy. Um, Tech is the same way. You know, if there's a hot new item out, yes, that will influence on what you buy. And then all of a sudden you'll have that in your household. Right. The hot new item that Gen Z wants. Millennials are being more influenced in these sectors than previous parents have been. So Gen Alpha truly is, perhaps because of this democratic style of parenting, an outsized influence on what millennials are buying. So now, I mean, it's going to be a decade until we know uh, how this turns out, or two decades perhaps. Right. But Gen Alpha being raised with this kind of power for themselves, how is that going to influence how they experience brands, how they interact with brands when they all of a sudden have money to spend. And that will be fascinating. You mentioned tech too, and this is fascinating just because of what we've seen with Gen Z. And I mentioned it earlier, I believe, where Gen Z, since they have grown, they are the first native digital generation, right? They are actually less tech forward than say millennials because they see the pros and cons of tech. Right. Right. So um, millennials, again, I'm one. All the tech advances of the past two decades were aimed at us. iPods were aimed at us. The iPhone was aimed at us. I can go on and on and on. Gen Z, not so much. Yes, they're they're still being marketed toward, of course. But since they grew up around it, tech is not the new and exciting thing all the time. It is simply a way of life. It is simply, hey, what can tech do for me? So we've seen Gen Z is more hesitant to be the first to buy a tech product. You know, they want to be the first to have it. They want to show it off to their friends. Millennials are higher on that than Gen Z. You know, and then uh, the opposite side, say cyberbullying. Gen Z feels, you know, the effects of that much more than someone like millennials. So coming back to Gen Alpha, millennials are now teaching these lessons to their children for the first time. Gen Z learned it themselves. Gen Alpha is being raised with all this already being known. You know, that's a really important distinction. So when, uh, you know, millennials are thinking about what tech to buy for their kids, what age is the right age to get? To buy a cell phone. <laughs> exactly. Is it seven because all the other kids in the class have it? Is it 18 because you're finally an adult? that's when we got it. <laughs> yeah. And when they have. So when millennials are thinking about these types of questions, they're also looking for features in the tech that makes the tech more friendly for you. So the safety features, um, the parental locks, you know, uh, anything else that restricts access, these are very, very important to uh, millennials. And it's something that, you know, this kind of attitude is not just with tech, it's about everything. You know, just think about where nutrition and food is these days, you know, thanks to the locally grown, the organic, you know, these movements that have really come to the fore over the past, you know, 20 years or so. Gen Alpha is being raised on these products. You know, the all natural cleaners. These are something that Gen Alpha will just be growing up and seeing. And so it will not only shape how they view the world and how they view um, brands, but it's also having a direct effect on what products they're being shown because millennials 
care very much about these things. So as we close out this conversation, you kind of already touched on all of this throughout, you know, this whole episode. But to, if you were to package it up nicely, as we think ahead, you know, what are some of the emerging trends or changes on the horizon that brands and marketers should be preparing for in the coming years? I think you really talked about what we should look at for Gen Alpha. But in general, as we're looking at generations, how can we be or how can brands be prepared? It's something you identified earlier where change is always coming. Right. Exactly. So just, again, accept it, <laughs> acknowledge it and make sure that your plans are flexible. This doesn't mean they have to be, you know, oh, willy nilly and a bit off the cuff, but have something direct that you can build upon and know that it might have to change every now and then. Another thing to keep a close eye on is, you know, it speaks a bit to diversity, but where some brands get caught is believing that these generations, for instance, are monolithic because, you know, often the C-suite will come to you and say, hey, how do we reach Gen Z? And they're thinking of them as a single entity. And I mean, you stop to think about it for five seconds and realize that's not true. But creating effective marketing strategies and brand strategies about that, it's quite a different story. So knowing that, you know, again, I was speaking to it with the marketing example where, you know, identifying what is common across your brand because you want consistent messaging, you don't want to be pandering, but also build in this idea of reaching individual groups in ways that are meaningful to them. And most importantly, that are sincere coming from the brand. Consumers, younger consumers especially, are very quick to identify when brands are being insincere. If your whole brand uh, image is built around something, you know, it can be anything, it could be nature, for instance, then have any messaging you put out also be true to what you speak about nature. And that will really prevent you from making any grievous errors moving forward in any kind of marketing. You know, honestly, it's your North Star, right, is being authentic uh, to yourselves. Well, Garrett, I think that was the perfect note to end on. I think this conversation will continue to evolve and, you know, we'll bring you back next year as we see how the generations have further evolved and how marketers can continue to adapt. But thank you for joining us. This was a great look at all the generations, including the newest one, Gen Alpha. And I can't wait to speak to you next time. Happy to do so. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so that you can keep thinking ahead. Thank you.